Hello and welcome to the 125th episode of the Juicebox Podcast. The podcast is brought to you today by Dexcom and Omnipod. You can learn more about Dexcom at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. So I listen to your feedback and I hear a lot of you say, Scott, I love what you guys are doing with bumping and nudging Dexcom lines and A1Cs and blood sugars, but we use injections. I got a pen. I've got syringes. What do I do? I get a lot of emails asking me how to relate what we do to MDI. This episode is my first attempt at making sense of that. Um, You've heard me use the word attempt there, so let's just say I didn't come up with a magic solution, but we came up with a lot of answers. What I did was I reached out into the community at um, on Facebook that I have around the podcast and the blog. And I said to people, hey, if you're absolutely killing it with MDI, I'd like to talk to you on the podcast. And if you're struggling with MDI, I'd like to talk to you on the podcast. And this is Christina, whose son has, uh, at this point, was diagnosed only about 10 months prior. And she reached out and said, we are definitely, definitely not killing it on MDI. And here she is. And you got to give Christina a big hand for doing the podcast on her lunch break. All right, you ready? Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. Hey, you were really nice to do this, and I know you're at your lunch break, I guess. I am, yes. So you're extra nice. So um, I won't keep you any longer than we have to. But I can tell you that I get a lot of emails and notes from people who are like, you guys, you don't talk about MDI. And I'd like to try to do some of the things you do on MDI. Mm-hmm. And it's been so long since I've done MDI that I don't feel like, you know, I, I'm like, I don't know if I have anything to add to this conversation. I never did MDI with Dexcom, um, you know, with, you know, all these sort of like kind of advanced ideas we talk about have always been with an Omnipod or, you know, or Dexcom or, or one or the other. And... And I just started thinking, like, I don't know if there's a valuable way for me to talk about this. And then I thought, well, what if I got somebody who uses MDI and we just talked about their issues and maybe something would come up? So I know that sounds kind of hopeful and not very mm-hmm. con- concrete, but I do think it's, I think it might be valuable. So I think I'm really glad you're, you're doing this. So thank you so much. Well, sure. I hope I can help in some way. <laughs> I think just being here to share your experiences and us talking through them, I think works. So so I just have to tell you real quickly before we start, for the first like eight minutes of the podcast, Basil's out of his mind running all over the house. So you hear his nails like clicking all over the floor, but I take care of that. And then it's not an issue as much. So anyway, no snoring Basil today, running around crazy Basil today. All right, let's get to Christina. Okay, so my name's Christina. Um, I have three children. My youngest, Christopher, is seven and has been a type one for about... 10 months this weekend. So we're still pretty new to this. Um, I think anyways, (laughs) um, I work in the medical field, so I kind of knew the signs and symptoms. I think I was in a little bit of a denial in the beginning, but then as things started to progress and, you know, he was showing the true signs and symptoms, I kind of said, you know, I think I know what's going on here. And sure enough, that's what it was. And here we are. You just, so you saw early stuff that you thought, 
you could make sense of, but it just kind of... Well, I don't know how early. I mean, we <clears throat> when he was diagnosed, he wasn't in DKA, thank God. So, I mean, I know that happens fast, but I, um, you know, he had, he had had strep throat the week prior. And so, you know, we were dealing with that and he, he was drinking a ton of water and I just associated it with the sore throat, mm-hmm. but then it continued for like a week and I'm like, okay, well, the antibiotics are obviously doing their job now and we're still drinking. So we were actually at my birthday dinner on a Sunday and he ordered something like seven lemonades when we were there. And I'm thinking the whole time, you know, nobody else is really paying attention to this. And I'm like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this can't be what it is. Like, because I've been in the medical field for like 13 years now. I worked in pediatrics prior to what I'm doing now. I'm doing OB now, but um, I clearly remember a, a situation with a patient that presented this way and that's what it had been. And it kind of always stuck with me. I don't know why, but type one's always something that kind of intrigued me. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but it's something I've always paid attention to when I've been addressed with it with mm-hmm. patients. And so anyway, so I just kind of thought, well, hmm, we'll see. And then he actually rode home with my husband because we had two cars. We had been in a soccer game prior to the birthday dinner and my husband had to stop and pull over for him to pee like, I don't know, six times in the hour drive. Every 20 feet, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, which was fine. But again, my husband wasn't concerned and I didn't mention any concerns to him. I just kind of kept it all to myself. And then that night I heard him get up several times in the middle of the night to pee. And I thought, okay, so he went to school. I went to work. I'm sitting at my desk. I emailed the teacher and I'm like, hey, has he asked to go use the bathroom a lot today? And she's like, yeah, and he's drinking a ton. But again, I don't think she thought anything of it. So I was like, okay, so I don't know what made me do this, but I brought home a urine cup and I brought home a dipstick and I dipped his urine when I got home looking specifically for glucose and ketones. And as soon as I dipped his urine, it was like instant and the colors changed and my heart dropped. And I knew standing there in my kitchen with a cup of urine exactly what was wrong with him. So I um, called the pediatrician, you know, we went there, we were transferred to one hospital, transferred to another and here we are. <laughs> well, listen, if nothing else, you had to cut down on the lemonade bill. It was going to, it was going <laughs> to swallow up the family. You, and you I know. can't imagine what his blood sugar would have been that night with that lemonade. Thinking back, I'm like, oh my God, his blood sugar was probably like a thousand yeah, something. Right. I mean, he drank so much lemonade and we had birthday cake. It was my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Well, so. well, so that's, so that's, you know, a pretty common presentation, I guess. And, mm-hmm. and, and so you went to the hospital and, and you left mm-hmm. with, what what is your management tools right now? We left with um, you know the injections. We didn't have a, a Dexcom CGM at the time. Um, you know we were there for I guess two days, and you know I knew a little bit about type one, but you never really know till you're in it. So obviously my head was spinning, and I remember coming home in the car with him in the hospital and seriously feeling like I was going to puke. And I'm, I'm not the anxious person, although I wasn't until all of this, I wasn't, I'm not really an anxious type person, but I clearly was like, almost had to have my husband pull over because I was so sick to my stomach and I didn't know what it was, but obviously it was my nerves. And I'm thinking it's like taking a newborn home for the first time and you have no clue what you're doing. So I was like kind of in a panic. I think we got home at like 10 o'clock that night. So we live like we're in like the eastern shore part of Maryland, which is, I guess, not really close to to much. And so our hospital is like an hour and a half away that we were at. So it was a long drive home. And the whole time I'm just like, oh, just felt so sick. And so then when we got home, you know, we got into our routine, but we didn't get on the Dexcom for like another I guess three months because of insurance, we were having an insurance change. The one we were on wanted us to be doing MDI for, you know, or the, you know, three months of blood sugar checks and whatever it was. So we ended up getting it like three months in. 
So now we've been on it since about, I don't know, for like six or seven months. So you're using a Dexcom and, but doing injections. Right. We were, so we, we do pen. We have a pen. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. You're perfect. Um, because you're perfect because I, like I said, I get so many, um, emails from people who are like, Hey, you know, can you please talk about MDI? And I just, you know, I told you as we were kind of talking up the show, like, I just don't know how to do that anymore. So I thought, yeah. so let's talk through. So do you mind just talking management with me while we're on and, and sure. Okay, cool. So, so first of all, like, you know, you don't say anything you don't, you're not comfortable with saying, but do you, are you hitting your goals for A1C or are they no. getting, okay. <laughs> no, a diagnosis, he was, I think 13 something. Um, we got down to like, I think nine, like his next visit. And we've kind of hung out in the high eight since then. Okay. Um, we actually go back next month and I'm really thinking it's going to be better. I'm just, from what I've been seeing, I think we're finally getting into like more normal blood sugars, uh, like long, like throughout the day where he used to hang out a lot higher, but we're definitely not where he needs to be and where I think we should be. No, that's why I said, when you said, are you killing it? I'm like, we're not killing it. <laughs> yeah. I, I posted like, if you're really killing it, I want to talk to you. And if you're struggling, I want to talk to you. And you, you, you answered back, like not, not killing it. No, and no. So, so, okay. So let's, so let's, I guess like work it out, I guess. Like let's do our best. Yeah. So let's first say that you know, this is not advice and um, you're going to hear two people talk about something, <laughs> a person who's not having much success with it and mm -hmm. a person who uh, hasn't done this in like six years. So this will <laughs> be us. I don't know how valuable this will be, but this will be us kind of trying to hammer through things. So let's talk about like a, just a standard day, I guess. So yeah. you have the Dexcom so you can see trends mm -hmm. and, and blood sugars moving and something like that. But how do you handle it? Because I always say to people, like, you know, if, if I see my daughter's blood sugar start to creep up, I give her insulin. Yeah. But right. I don't know what I would do if I had to inject her in that moment. Well, and I think definitely I'm not there yet. I think, like I said, we're still new to it. So I'm not really, I mean, I'm, I'm more comfortable giving it when we need to. But I don't think I've really ever been given instructions on how to do that. Like, I still have the sheet that's basically telling me to only correct a high when we're, you know, when we're dosing for carbs. But I've never been told like when it's okay to correct a high, you know, after eating for how long and how much. And so I kind of just guess at it. I know that sounds terrible, but like, for example, the boys got haircuts last night and um, they went to Dairy Queen afterwards. So I carb counted. He was a little high beforehand and we can talk about why later. But so I figured out how much insulin to give him. Clearly didn't give him enough. I don't know if that's my carb counting mistake or not. But and then he hung out high for a while. But it's like, at what point do I need to give him more insulin? And how much do I give him? Honestly, I've never been given that instruction. And I've asked and I kind of just feel like I don't ever get a straight answer. So I guess maybe it's my fault for not having that exact, you know, you know, instructions down. I don't know. I always kind of felt like when we get on a pump, it'll get better, but I don't know. <laughs> but, 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 but see, it's funny. So I think you're in a situation where, you know, you're early on, you're in the first year, they don't give you a ton of information. You're, you're where I see so many people who reach out to me privately. This is where they come in, right? They just start seeing like, Hey, I don't think I'm doing everything I could be. Right. Uh, but, but the information I'm getting from the doctor says I'm doing what I've been told to do. The information I'm getting from my common sense is telling me I'm not doing enough. And then you sort of get in that, that kind of like battle in your mind where you're like, well, I want to do more, but 
but the doctor's not saying anything and, and you get stuck yeah. there a little bit. You have to trust yourself a little bit and it's hard to make exactly. that leap, right? And I'm getting more comfortable with it. So last night when he hung out high, according to Dexcom, uh, which is obviously above 400, mm-hmm. um, I was like, well, let me give him some insulin. So I'm just going to give him a unit and a half. And it didn't really move it till an hour later, but it did eventually. So I don't know, you know, I that sounds terrible. I don't know. No. And I'll bring this up when we go to the doctor because I feel like, I ask these questions and I don't really get direct answers. So I'll give you a direct answer, but I'm not a doctor. Um, That's fine. All right, ready? So I, I have some basic tenets of how I, I manage my daughter's blood sugar. And one of them would be if your blood sugar is high, you've mm-hmm. either mistimed, miscalculated, mm-hmm. or both the insulin, right? You either don't yeah. have you don't either don't have enough or you put it in at the wrong time, and that's how you get high. If you use mm-hmm. enough insulin in the right moment, you could eat you could eat anything and your blood sugar won't go up because the insulin right. is going to be working now it's it's not as easy as it sounds or maybe right off the bat but but it's true enough you know so if you started a blood sugar that's 100 mm-hmm. and you bolus an amount of insulin that you think is correct for the carbs and let's say for the for the sake of argument you are a million percent correct you have picked the exact right amount of insulin for this thing that they're going to eat but if you put that insulin in at noon and then start eating at noon and the insulin doesn't start working until 12.15 or 12.10 right. or 12.20, then it doesn't matter that you chose the right amount anymore because now you're not trying to keep a 100 blood sugar where it is. Now you're 150 diagonal up. Mm-hmm. And so now you have 50, 60, 70 more points of blood sugar that you have not accounted for in, in, your, in your injection. Right. Right. Yeah. And so you're going to get high at some point. And, mm-hmm. and that just is way it is. Now, listen, I don't know how long you've been listening to the podcast or not, but the dog is going crazy. I'm going to get up for a second. I'm going to move him <laughs> to a bed, and I'll be right back. I'm very apologetic. Hold on one second. Let's take this opportunity to talk about the sponsors of the podcast. And what are we going to do first? Dexcom or Omnipod? Let's see. I'm going to flip a coin. It's a quarter. We'll make Dexcom tails and Omnipod heads. Tails. Talk about Dexcom first. My daughter Arden is 13 years old and she never sits still. Between school, softball, and running around with her friends, she is always doing something. But even with her busy schedule, keeping track of her glucose levels couldn't be simpler. The Dexcom share and follow features allow us to be alerted whenever Arden's blood glucose level leaves the range that we set. The sense of calm and fantastic blood glucose control that the Dexcom CGM system helps to bring into our lives is absolutely invaluable. So what are you waiting for? I mean, how many times do I have to tell you? Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box or click on the link in the show notes and you'll find out more. Come on. I mean, seriously, I'm tired of saying it. So throughout this episode, I am trying my best to figure out how to incorporate the things we do with Dexcom and Omnipod into a regular life without these tools. And, you know, it's, as you can tell so far in the conversation, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And we are going to figure out some ideas moving forward. And I do think that people should be able to live well and healthy, even if they can't afford or don't want an insulin pump. But the fact of the matter is having the Omnipod just makes it all so much to me simpler. It's the little things. It's the adjusting basal rates, the stuff that you don't think about that often. 
But your basal insulin is a huge part of how you keep your blood sugar where you want it to be. And just making those adjustments is, it's not, it's a game changer in my opinion. Being able to say that, oh, you know, my basal rate is normally one unit an hour or three units an hour, but I wish it was three and a half or four or doubled or whatever it ends up being. It's just such a game changer to be able to push a couple of buttons and make that happen. You know, now if you're on injections, you're using Levomir or Lantus or something like that, and you can't just magically tell it, I wish there was more Levomir in me because it doesn't work that way. Um, something we're going to talk about a lot in this episode moving forward is the idea of just nudging your number around. You know, if you want a 7A1C to be a 6, you want a 6 to be a 5.5, you want an 8 to be a 7, you know, you have to be able to say, sure, my blood sugar is 130 right now, but I'd like it to be 90. Sure, my blood sugar is 180 right now, but I'd like it to be 150. I'd like my 150 to be 130. And it's a difficult decision to make to pull out a, a needle to inject insulin to move a blood sugar from 130 to 90. But it's important to do, I think. And I think that using the Omnipod just makes it that much simpler. It's more convenient. Um, and in the end, I, I think that diabetes should be as small a part of your day as possible. So what I would like you to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to try a free, no obligation demo pod today. You can see what the demo, what the pod looks like, the size, the shape, the feel, the weight. You can see what it feels like when it's on you. And then you can make a decision for yourself. And if you like what you see, you can move forward and Omnipod will make it easy for you. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And don't forget before too, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I think these tools are absolutely invaluable. Let us get back to Christina. I apologize for that gap in time. That's okay. <laughs> I, Basil is about three years old now. And uh, we were joking the other day, it might be time to get Basil neutered. <laughs> he's, mm -hmm. he's a little, uh, he's feeling himself lately. Uh, <laughs> chewing things in half and ripping things down off of tables and, and going oh, crazy. Geez. I'm so sorry. Okay. So, um, so to go, I can, luckily for you, I've said this a million times, so I can go right back to it. You know, so I think that's, that's to, to kind of delve into that a little farther. If you use the correct amount of insulin, but mistime it, you're mm -hmm. still going to get high, you know, mm -hmm. just, as, just as if, if you gave it too soon, you might get too, right. you might get too low, um, yeah. And so, if you if that ends up happening, if you bolus an amount and you've mistimed it, and you end up at two hundred or one fifty, I mean, I mean, I think the obvious the obvious statement is you need more insulin. If your blood sugar is right. high, you don't have enough insulin for whatever the reason is. Right. And and we get so bogged down in that that very basic initial direction that you get after diagnosis, which is, you know, count carbs, shoot insulin, wait three hours, and then do it again if you need to. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know how much to give because let's say had already, he had already had four units for what he was given plus the correction because he was already a little high at the time. Right. Um, it's like at what point I don't know when to give more and how much. To, I mean, I, I know the the scale they give us says, you know, it's obviously half a unit for 50, wh whatever it is. I could figure that out in my head, but it's like, I don't know how much of that insulin's working that he got an hour ago and how much isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of, I'm not there yet. No, but let me see if I can simplify that idea for you. So at some point after this has happened, do you end up giving more insulin? 
I do, but most only most recently. In the past, no, because it's like I said, I'm just kind of no, that's fine. Going, you know, making my own decision here. Yeah, yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> so, so you're doing really great. So, so let's take an, another. Let's take a real life example from you. You gave him an amount of insulin. You waited your amount of time, and you gave more mm-hmm. insulin. How much insulin did you give the second time? Um, I think it was like a unit and a half. Okay. If you would have taken that unit and a half and put it in the initial bowl, um, injection, yeah, you would not have been high and you would not have needed extra insulin. Yeah. Right? Stand, yeah. Stands to reason. Now, maybe maybe that in the end will end up being a quarter of a unit less or a half a unit more or whatever that might end up being as you figure it out. But But that's the issue is if you gave five and ended up giving another one and a half, you needed mm-hmm. six and a half units. That's, mm-hmm. that's, it's, it's, I don't want to oversimplify something that everybody thinks is really yeah. um, not simple, but sort of is simple when you stop and think about it. So mm-hmm. like I can give you an example of Arden's mealtime or her lunchtime blood sugar right now, because it is exactly 50 minutes since Arden got her insulin for lunch. And so pretty big lunch, a lot of carbs, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know how many. Um, I remember packing the lunch and thinking, this is going to take 10 units. So mm-hmm. when she contacts me at 1125 and says, I'm going to, you know, it's lunch. She's still not going to be at lunch for another like 10 minutes. And her blood sugar was 114 on the CGM. Mm-hmm. So I increased her basal rate, which is something you can't do with injections about 30, right. 30% for an hour and a half. Cause I just knew a lot of, but a lot of it, a lot of carbs going to need more insulin. I told her to do 10 units and I extended it. So we put 30% of it in or three units at 1025 and and told it to put the other balance of that in over 30 minutes. So her insulin wasn't done going into her that other seven units until 10 of 12. Yeah. Right. And now it's 25 minutes since that whole bolus has gone in and she's Mm -hmm. 138 and her blood sugar just turned the um, arrow on her Dexcom just turned up. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to give her another half of a unit of insulin okay, to stop the arrow yeah, and for no other reason. Because if I do nothing right now, it stands to reason that that arrow is going to go up. She's going to make it to 150 or 160. And maybe the extended bolus I gave her is going to be enough at some point, but it's still going to push her to 160 and then she's going to sit there. I, mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to stop now and I wanted to go back down. I wanted her blood sugar to be 90. That's, mm-hmm. that's my goal. So... Um, but how but how you- long did it take you to get to that point? Because, I mean, yeah, I've been listening to your podcast for, I guess, a while now. I just feel like it's so much information to, like, know and remember. Like, okay, no, she's is. at this point. This is what I need to do. It's like, I'm like, it's overwhelming, you know? It's all, and that's why I try to remember to say this over and over again, that it's not going to, some people, I won't lie to you. Some people say they listen to the podcast and they go, oh, that makes total sense to me. And they just do it. These are the people I get an email back from three months later. It's like, hey, my A1C went down two points. I'm like, wow, it really hit you all of a sudden. Some people mm-hmm. say I had to listen to, you have 50 conversations with people before I was like, oh, okay. And I could apply it to myself. And, but, but the way it happened to me was trial and error and trial and error and trial. Yeah. Just exactly what's happening to you right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my, my only hope with the podcast is, is that you'll, it'll somehow speed you up a little bit. Oh, well, for sure. It's already helped me a ton. I can say that. That's the goal. Like, because I know how long I sat in it and it was terrible and I don't want to feel like that. I don't want you to yeah. feel like that. I wish yeah. I didn't feel like that. I don't want you to feel like that. So, right. so I guess the situation ends up being is that you first need to understand the, you know, the concept of timing the insulin better. Maybe your pre-injection, I mean, we won't call it a pre-bolus, but a pre-injection for me, yeah. are you doing that? 
We are. Yeah. I mean, for then, for, for sure I did last night cause I knew, I knew what he was having and I knew it was going to, you know, make him go up, but I guess I just didn't do it too far in advance. And we run into that with breakfast a lot because breakfast, he spikes every single day. And I've, I mean, a pre bowl is 20, 30 minutes sometimes just because of what he's choosing to eat. And I mean, it helps, but it's never perfect. But I'll tell you, that's another thing is I had asked, I really love our CDE that we see the di, you know, diabetic educator. And I asked her, you know, are we always going to see the spike? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, but I've heard otherwise on this podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so all I would tell you very simply is, is that if you're spike, like morning's more difficult, because yeah. of things that are going on internally in your body, that's for sure. And a lot of breakfast foods are carbier than other foods sometimes. But if you're pre-bolusing by 20 or 30 minutes, and that pre-bolus is, is slowing down the spike, but you're still getting a spike, like put a number on it to me. Where is he spiking to? Um, I mean, it depends on the day, but it's definitely gotten better because I've been, you know, the pre-bolus has been, been a daily thing where it didn't used to be. I mean, probably like two... I don't know, 250. I mean, he comes down eventually, you know, because then like right now, I don't know what's going on with the blood sugar. He's getting ready to alarm. Um, it's it's so, so what it, it doesn't come down come, eventually. He comes down eventually in an hour, two hours, three hours. Um, Probably like what time does he eat? Two, two and a half hours. OK, so I would want to. I would want to be heavier handed with the breakfast bolus, the amount of insulin. It sounds like your pre bolus is. Is, is pro level. If you're going out that mm -hmm. far, that's fantastic. I would want to mm -hmm. put more insulin in there to stop the spike from ever happening. And if that meant that two hours later he had to eat, you know, drink a juice box or something like that to stop, mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a, like an 80 diagonal down, if that happened, I would, I would much rather that happen. I would rather him have to have something else in an hour or two hours and stop mm -hmm. the spike because sometimes yeah. you have to like a lot of people, old timers, you know, we'll call that like a super bolus, like just, just crushing you with so much insulin that it's impossible for the food, no matter how many carbs it is to go up. And then you deal with the backlash of that on the other side. Right. You, you know what I mean? But if you can kind of find a balance between pre bolus and the amount of insulin, the so-called backlash on the other side or a low on the other side, you might be able to keep that from happening mm -hmm. if you, if you end up finding the timing of it. Right. So basically, like you're saying, even though I've gotten this dose for the carbs, still need to give more, even though this is what like not necessarily changing our, our ICR, but just knowing that this food, he's going to need more. So you're because yes. this is what we're eating. Right. Because you're, you're falling into a very obvious. It's a, it's a common trap in the beginning, which is well, somebody has told me that for every 10 carbs, it takes this much insulin. And right. damn it, I, I know there's 20 carbs in this. So mm -hmm. if it's not working, it's got to be some. It, 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 that's when people end up going, well, that's diabetes. That's not diabetes. You didn't use enough insulin. So, yeah. you know, so it, it's, it's, it's not that, it's not that difficult. It becomes difficult when someone puts an idea in your head that you can't break free of because mm -hmm. it, because it makes sense, right? Like if I, you know, I could come up with any bazillion different analogies, but you know, the simple one that I've been using lately is if you're driving towards something, you're going to hit it. And I tell you to push the brake, you know, an inch down and that's not stopping you. Would you push it harder? Or would mm -hmm. you, or would you run into a wall? And so, and so what you're doing right now is you're saying, the guy said, look, he told me 20 carbs, it's this much insulin. It didn't work. I don't, it's odd that the next thought isn't, well, it probably means that I need more insulin, mm -hmm. you, you know? And, and I get that people are scared of lows and a lot of people don't have Dexcoms, but you do. Yeah. So I would, you know, I would use it for that. But now let's talk in the abstract a little bit. Let's pretend that you've gotten past this part and 
and it's working. You know what I mean? You're doing great. And you have a pre, you have a meal and then he comes down and his blood sugar hits right at 130 and it's sitting there for an hour. Now in your heart, you don't want his blood sugar to be 130. You would prefer it to be 90, I'm assuming, or, you know, as close to what. Well, you know. I guess we're not there yet. Maybe not 90, but. <laughs> because, because why? Because you'd be afraid. No, I mean, I guess maybe like a hundred. <laughs> That funny. That's funny. But, and be, but, but tell me why though. It, it, you're concerned of a low? No, I guess because like you said, I can watch the Dexcom. But I mean, 90s, I'm not scared of 90. But typically for him, he's usually sitting like 100, 110, 111 or whatever it may be. But that's that's fine though, because for the purposes of trying to help people with MDI, let's say that. Let's say you're in that situation where he just sits at like 110. But, but if you wanted him to go to 90 on MDI, how would how would we like affect that like i mean are you would somebody be willing to inject their son with a uh, you know less than a quarter of a unit of insulin just to move his blood sugar 20 points you know or or you know say he's an older bigger person say you're an adult and it would take you know two units to move you from 110 to 90 Is, mm-hmm. do you do you accept the 110 because you don't want to inject or you know what I mean? Because then when does that go? Let's say it's 150. Are you? Would you sit at 100? Would you inject for 150? No, I wouldn't. Right. But yeah. But as we sit here and talk, I mean, if you're considering an average blood sugar of a person without diabetes is probably like 85 or 90. Yeah. Then you're 50, 60 points higher than where your body would hope it to be. And right. so And so that's what the people who are reaching out to me are saying. They're saying, I want. I'm listening to what you're saying on the podcast. I want to do something about it. What do I right. do? And as I thought back about it, I'm like, I think the only answer is you have to inject more. Like, right? right. Like that that seems like the answer. Right. Um, because you can't manipulate the basal and you can't, I mean, there's no real way around it. I mean, using insulin, you could, I mean, maybe you could send your kid outside and tell them to run around the house 50 times. That might help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it definitely probably would help. But I mean, I'm, you're talking about, you know, when you, when you hear somebody say, hey, my A1C is like 5.8 which was what Arden's most recent one was. That's mm-hmm. that's a situation where if I see 110, we put like 0. 0.10 units on or bumper basal rate for 20% for an hour to try to get it to drift down again. And that's the stuff that doesn't exist. Right. But I guess it does if you're willing to do it. So tell me something. So what do you think? Do you think if you got in that spot, do you think you could see yourself injecting more to achieve I that? I could. I think if I clearly understood like... I guess I'm somebody who just needs like instruction and then I'll do it. Not that I'm waiting for them to tell me, but like I need like details like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's not just like, hmm, he's at 120. Should I give it now? Should I wait half an hour? Like how much would I give? I feel like I just need more information to feel more comfortable about it. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I wouldn't even know. Like, I don't know how much to give it. And at what point do I give it? I know you said, like, obviously, clearly, if we would have given more last night at the beginning, it wouldn't have gotten to that point. But I just don't know when and how much. And you know what I mean? That's what we struggle with, I guess. Yeah, no, I think you need to get to the point where your gut's telling you what to do, even though it doesn't probably make sense um, in the real world because nobody said it out loud yet. But Mm -hmm. once you have that feeling over and over again where you're like, I feel like I should be doing something, I think that's the point where you just say – Let's try. And then that's where I would tell you this. Like, I don't, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had a, a, a nurse practitioner make an adjustment in my pump for me or anything like that. Like, I just do the, well, this seems like what's happening. Let's try this. 
and you'd be surprised how infrequently that actually becomes a problem. You know, the the other night, her uh, Arden's blood sugar, I couldn't decide if it was, um, she had, a, I think her, her infusion set was kind of going bad sooner than I thought it was going to, which happens sometimes. Um, excuse me. And so we have this big kind of meal and her blood sugar is like sitting at 160 and I'm bolusing and it won't move. And I'm like, is this just not, is it the, like, does the pump need to be changed? Like, is that what this is here? Like if I injected, would she go down, which would indicate maybe her, you know, her cannula was, you know, kind of compromised somehow. And I was like, you know, let me wait a little longer, but I made one more bolus. It didn't move. And I was like, that's it. Change your pump. And then Mm -hmm. she changed her pump. But then you had to like, think about this. There was like, we had pizza. And so there was pizza still sitting in her stomach. She was probably not getting enough insulin through the pump. So her basal wasn't working properly or she wasn't getting all the bolus I was giving her, whatever it ended up being. I always assume it's more about basal. I'm assuming we were pumping through the, 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 the bolus correctly, but that the basil probably wasn't getting through right. So in my mind, there's food in her belly and she doesn't have enough insulin going. Now, do I just bolus for the 160 or do I bolus for the basil that I think she's missed for the past hour and a half too? And in mm-hmm. the end, I just decided like, I'm just going to go big, like, right. And then we'll, if it goes wrong, we'll give her carbs on the other side. Right. But what ended up happening was I gave her almost you know, it round numbers two and a half times, maybe three times the insulin that the blood sugar needed and she never got low. Mm-hmm. So, you know, instead, like I could tell you that if, if Arden's blood sugar is 160, your pump's working great. She doesn't have any food in her. If I gave her a half a unit of insulin, I could get her down to 90. She weighs like, yeah. 80, she weighs like 88 pounds, but, <laughs> but I must've given her almost three, like two and a half units there for that. Mm-hmm. And all those kind of like, pieces that I just said out loud to you, they come from what I was kind of alluding to earlier. It's just trial and error. It's like, it's doing something. And I, you know, I, I always want to reiterate this. Like, I don't think there's any mistakes, especially when you're learning. I think that you do something, you know, I did this, this happened. I wish this would have happened. So next time I will do more or less time it differently, whatever it is. Like, I just think of it as data coming back. You know what I mean? Like, I don't look at a 150 blood right. sugar and go, oh, I screwed up. I go, oh, what should I have done that maybe would have not let this happen? And then what what you were probably having trouble seeing at 10 months in is that at some point, those aren't conscious decisions anymore. You just sort of know. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Right. And so, and that's coming, coming for everybody. Everyone listening who's not there yet, if you keep working at it and keep using the data and making better decisions eventually everybody's going to get in that spot where they're just, you know, looking across the room and be like three units. Why? I don't know. Three units. It's the right thing to do, you, yeah. you know, and, and, and be comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So, um, geez. So are you and I deciding that there's no way to manipulate? There has to be, but it's, no, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's just like, I'm not like, I just, I need, just need to figure it out. Like it's trial and error. Like you said, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, we're definitely getting better than we were. I'm more comfortable correcting highs when he still probably has, you know, insulin in them and, and that type of thing. So we're getting there. I guess it's just, I don't know with the pump. It's just a lot easier, you know? Well, I think with a pump it's, it's, I think the easy part about it is it's making those fine tuning adjustments. That part, right. that part is easier. You, you, wouldn't think anything of pushing a couple of buttons to give a kid a half unit of insulin to move a 140 to 90. But hey, come here, especially a young kid, like, you know, hey, come here, hold still. I'm going to poke this thing in you to mm-hmm. get your A1C from, you know, seven to six. That it might not. Mm-hmm. It also just the, 
I was going to use the word machinations, but then I was like, how old am I? (laughs) (laughs) But, but the whole, but the machinations of all that, like, let's get the insulin out and put a needle on and do all this stuff. Like at some point I'm like, Oh my God, maybe it'll just drift down on its own. Or at least maybe I can wait till it gets a little higher and I can at least feel justified whipping this needle mm-hmm. out. Doing I mean, he's, he's such a trooper. He never fights me on it. So that, and that's not a concern of mine at all. I mean, I'm going to do what I have to do and he never moans and groans ever. So that's perfectly fine. <laughs> well, that's So then there, then maybe that's even my concern that isn't, doesn't exist in your world really, you know? So, yeah, I, and you know, it's funny because you at least you at least you have the Dexcom, right? So you have the, mm-hmm. the you can look at it and see what happened, how far, how harshly did it go up? You know, mm-hmm. you know maybe I could have he didn't drop, so I could have pre bolus further. Because in my heart, and I, I say this all the time here, if my daughter is one twenty before dinner, I I'm hoping to pre bolus that she's literally like ninety diagonal down when she starts eating. Mm-hmm. I I want the the fact that her blood sugar is just about to start falling to be mm-hmm. coinciding with the food going in. And, and yeah. that's my goal every time. Um, but I saw somebody online the other day. This was interesting. You know, everybody, because you, you, you made me think of it when you said 100 blood sugar. Everybody was holding up like their meters with their hundreds on them. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is great. Um, and, and then I, there was this one person that said, in range every time today. So now I know this is a person who's testing with a meter, does not have a Dexcom, and I thought it made me think, what if they just randomly tested six times today while the blood sugar was in range? Could mm-hmm. it, could they have just as easily tested six different times and been online going, I can't believe we got 100 today after six tests that were out of range today? Because it's completely possible that when it, it hit me, the people who don't have a glucose monitor think, oh, I tested six times today. My blood sugar was always around 100. My blood sugar has been around 100 all day today. But mm-hmm. but you know now with a Dexcom, that's not yeah. true. No. <laughs> right, right. That's likely not true. And and I thought, wow, that, one, that, that person could have just as easily been on here today saying every time I test today, his blood sugar was 48 or 100 and, or 90 or, you, you know, like whatever it was because you're getting those snapshots and – and I know I sit here and talk about it, and it's not something everybody's insurance will pay for. It's not something everybody could afford, even if they had insurance and et cetera. And that seems unfair, and I think it really is. I genuinely believe one day this will be covered like a meter, um, yeah. and you can have it if you want it. But still, I don't know that just because you don't have it means that you shouldn't be aware that what you're seeing on your meter very well may not be the truth. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I mean, I was aware that that was a possibility, you know, but I didn't truly get it till we had the Dexcom. And because, I mean, now with it, obviously it's a lot better than it was because I mean, for all I know, we could have been, you know, spiking that high and then you need know, to go back to a normal or range when yep. he was tested again or whatever. But now it's, I mean, when we first had it, it was like, geez, what's going on? I mean, he was high for a long time most of the day, yeah. and I never knew that. I, I would say that I, I haven't told the story in a really long time on here, but because of the subject matter, it begs going over real quickly. I used to, when Arden was first diagnosed, she was two, three, four years old, and we were just using injections. Um, I used to put her to bed at 180, and she'd mm-hmm. wake up, and her blood sugar would be 90, and I was like, oh, my God, look at me. I'm like if there's a, a Lord of this, I think I am it. You know what I mean? Like, look how I have figured this out. Mm-hmm. And then we got on, uh, we got a Dexcom, just a blind study to see back then you had to do a blind study to see if the insurance company would cover it. And so I got seven days worth of data from her, 
but I couldn't see it until they, they took it back and unblinded it for me. So it turns out that every night I would put her to bed at 180. Her blood sugar would fall to 50 and sit, oh my. And sit there for hours. And then her liver would kick in and she'd, it would, she'd drift back up to 90. And then I'd wake up in the morning and test her and be like, oh my God, ninja, I'm a ninja. And, right. and in, in what I should have been go, saying was, almost killed her again. Almost killed her right. again. You know, like, like, right? and, and in the end, also, by the way, that experience, it taught me something else too. Like Arden's blood sugar dropped to 50 and her body helped her. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying if you're 32 down, your body's going to help you. Th- then you need a giant glass of something with a lot of sugar in it. But, but, you know, it was interesting to see that she hit 50 and uh, I was like, Oh, look, she, and now she sat there for four hours before she came back up. It was obviously, it's not good for your brain to be low like that. There's a million right. reasons you don't want that. Um, mm. but it just, it just go, it went to show like, I really, if I was listening to what my doctor told me mm-hmm. and, and, it couldn't have been more from more farther from the truth. What I was seeing, it couldn't have been farther from safe. It couldn't have been farther from healthy, Right. you know? And, and so then I started just testing in the middle of the night instead. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll yeah. go up and I'll test and we'll adjust this here. And, you know, God, sometimes I would over adjust and, you know, send a, a 70 because you, you still, when you test and you're 70, are you 70 and falling? Are you 70 and steady? Exactly. Or, you know, you, I don't know. I don't, it's just, it sucks. It really so now I didn't want to talk about this like this because I was really hoping we would just nuts and bolts like MDI, but that turned out not going so well. So I wasn't going to bring this up, but now I, I guess I'm. It begs the question: Does all this make you feel like you want an insulin pump? Well, so sure. I've I've it's always been a goal of ours. Um, we it's kind of just we've taken the pump classes. We just did that last month, so we're kind of we've got all of that out of the way. You know, he kind of. I've talked to him about it. He knows the different pumps. We kind of lean towards more the Omnipod, um, but it's more of timing for us. So the the doctor's office, our CDE is actually out on maternity leave. And then when she comes back, it's really crazy time at work for me. So I think it's probably going to happen right when he gets out of school in June. That way, um, a school nurse doesn't have to be involved in the beginning. She can just kind of be picked up towards, you know, the, the beginning of next year. But yeah, so it's it's definitely been something that we've we've wanted to do it's just kind of been like a timing thing so um you know he he kind of goes back and forth though he's like i don't know if i want to pump well okay maybe i do well i don't know and i'm like can we just give it a try you know (laughs) i think i think the first you know i mean i think it's obvious all this begs repeating over and over again but if you're at a blood sugar of 400 for an extended amount of time and you start getting accustomed to that that that's not good because your body thinks that that's normal and then mm-hmm. you, when you finally get him figure out your patterns and get yourself in a situation that's more you know attractive you know as far as the the blood sugar goes he's not going to feel good at 100 for a while and he's going to have right. to get accustomed to that again i just think it i think that one of the biggest the most dangerous things i've ever heard somebody say is how they just sort of get accustomed to a high blood sugar not even just a person not a non individual where they feel okay better there because they're so used to it at this point mm-hmm. but like a parent who will say you know oh i there was a great episode a long time ago with a woman who just she was like real honest and she said like i just i started thinking of 200 as a win you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's like, it was, it wasn't that much higher than the goal. And, and then we kind of talked it through and I was like, well, yeah, the doctor told you one, you know, one, I think it was like 170 or something like that. So 200 felt like only 30 points higher, 
when mm-hmm. it, when in in fact it was more than a hundred points higher than hers was. You, you, right. you know, and and so, but she just found a way. Like your brain does that. Like it finds a way to go. Oh, it's you know he went to four hundred, but it was only for two hours, and I got it back down again. And you know what I mean? If that happens once in a while, then I that's the way I think of it too. Arden had a really rocky day yesterday. Her blood sugar was all over the place. It was terrible. And um, there were times where she was 180, she was 200, and and I and I had to keep giving her insulin, keep giving her insulin to push it down, and um, and and it wasn't it just wasn't a great day. And I'll write that off. I won't think twice about it. But if that starts happening multiple times a week, you know, and you're and you're still writing it off, then I that's where you would hear me tell you that that's not great. You know, like, well, and def- it's definitely not like that every day. It was sure. just like a an odd thing. And I mean, t- certainly towards the beginning, it was he was higher more so than he is now. I think we figured it out. But I guess my thing is just trying to figure out when to intervene. Like, okay, when do I need to pull the trigger, you know, so to speak, to, to figure it out? Because it's like he's hanging out there for like he, you know, sometimes I'll notice, like, for example, we went um, snow tubing a couple weekends ago mm-hmm. and I guess from excitement, like his, his blood sugar truly was like hanging out, not in the 400s, but higher than he should have been. But it's like with the activity and all that, I was like, I'm trying to figure out, okay, when's a good time to try to get this blood sugar to go down? And we figured it out, but it's like, I just don't know all of the, you know, the, the what ifs and the different situations to kind of, to kind of get a hold of it, I guess. That sounds like adrenaline to me. Yeah, whatever it was, but yeah. as soon as we stepped foot on that snow, I'm not—I'm kidding you not. I had two arrows up, and he had had not, hadn't had a snack in like three or four hours. Yeah. I was like, "What is going on?" That's adrenaline. So when Arden plays um, a competitive sport, I have to give her insulin before she starts, mm-hmm. even if her blood sugar is perfect. But if she goes to practice for that sport and they're not keeping score, then I don't need to give her the insulin. So yeah. it's when her adrenaline kicks in. Um, a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, my kid spikes at school every morning, but we, doesn't eat breakfast. That could be anxiety about school. Yeah. That kid, that's, and, and not like anxiety, like, oh, my God, this kid needs to see a therapist. Like just the regular, like, oh, I didn't do my homework in this, or this person's going to give mm-hmm. me a test. And it just sort mm-hmm. of amps you up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely I see that with Arden in the beginning of the school year. And then the, uh, the further we go into the school year, then I don't have to do the insulin anymore. Cause she, it's gets. funny because that happened the first day of school for him. It was our first day of school with a Dexcom. And so we're getting ready for school and I was taking him in on his first day. And sure enough, the, we were walking to school and he was two arrows up and I was like, this has got to be nerves for school. Yeah. Like you don't really, people don't really talk like the doctor never talks about stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, obviously they don't really know as much about Dexcom that we do because we're using it every day, but it's, I was like, this has got to be what it is. And he hung out, you know, there for a little bit and came back down, but you don't really realize it till you're like, okay, wow, this is really happening. So let me, let me answer your question then with the idea of like, when do you do something? Um, see, you're looking for me to, I, I know, I know what you're doing. Like you're, you're, you're hoping someone says when it hits this number intervene. Right. But, but here's what I would say to you. Cause I, I just, I just, you just tripped my memory when you said like I, his blood sugar went up and I didn't know why. Here's mm-hmm. what I've been telling people recently. Why is not important in the moment. It's happening. Mm-hmm. So address it, right? You can mm-hmm. probably figure out why later. But I see too many people who get bogged down and they're like, oh, it took me two hours to figure out why his blood sugar was high. I was like, what? what? Like, wh- blood sugar is high, need insulin. Blood sugar low, need carbs. You know, um, right. it's not, there, you're overthinking it if you're doing it past that. I can tell you, I can give you a number. When I started getting more aggressive, I used 150 diagonal up on the Dexcom. So after a meal, if Arden got to 150 diagonal up, I assumed I didn't give her enough insulin and I just, okay. gave, her, and I just gave her more. 
And how much more? I started with a unit. Now, her body style, weight, type, it's, you can't just randomly pick a unit for yourself. But what you can do is you can start somewhere. You can have a meal. If you've properly, if you feel like you've reasonably properly pre-bolused a meal and you've reasonably counted the carbs and you're comfortable that you've used enough insulin, that if he hits 150 diagonal up after a meal, give him another unit and see what, happen, yeah. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Because you've, you're covered with the Dexcom, right? If it ends up being too much, like I said, hit him with some like, fast-acting carb, but don't overdo it. You know right. what I mean? Like, like just, or like when I told you I used to bolus before, um, when I bolus before um, an activity where they're keeping score and her adrenaline goes off, I bolus her for the amount of um, insulin I know that takes to cover a juice box. Because if for some reason this game doesn't end up being as intense or, or she's more zen that day and didn't need that insulin, then that juice box counteracts that insulin if I need it to. Mm-hmm. And, and so just try something, something you're comfortable with so that you get some return on your, on your effort. Because, that, you know, you can't play defense with diabetes, right? Like if you're always defending, then you never have an answer for what happened. But if you do, right. if you do something to it and something then happens, you can say to yourself, I did this and this was the result. So mm-hmm. I bet you if I would have done half as much, this would have happened. I bet you if I would have done twice as much, this would have happened. Um, but if you wait for, oh, my God, his blood sugar is 250, then everything you do after that is just chasing. It's just, you know, you're just hoping to conquer it. You're boxing with your hands over your face, hoping they don't knock you out. Like you want to yeah. swing first, I think is what I'm saying. Right. You, you know what I mean? Because then at least you'll know. I swung mm-hmm. and I uncovered with the other side and he punched me in the side of the head or, or I connected and I'm good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of, and I don't even like boxing. It just, it seems that way to me. Like it, I guess the whole thing feels like a fight on some level. So, right. you, you know, I just think that's, that's part of it. Like you need to be proactive so that the, the data that comes back to you is something you can make sense of, mm-hmm. you know, because once, once the 400s there, you're just like. What, I mean, what are you really doing? You're like, here, more insulin. Well, then it takes forever to come down. And we and we don't talk about that enough either. A high blood sugar requires more insulin. Like if you were yeah. 150 and wanted to get to 50, it might take X amount of insulin, which mm-hmm. then tells you, well, if I was 300, I would just need double that to come down 100 points. That's not true. Right. So that takes more insulin. And mm-hmm. not only that, but if you're at 300, your basal insulin is probably not right. So you're probably light there. and. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of different scenarios that are mm-hmm. mind numbing when you sit and talk about them like this. But like I said, after enough trial and error, yeah, they just sort of make sense. You know, yeah. I would say this to you too. I hear you saying you want to wait till the summer to, to start the pump. I think mm-hmm. that's a completely legitimate thing. It, it really is. I also don't think that it would take as much effort as you're thinking. I don't think so. I think it's more just a timing thing. And we've focused. Well, we've had a lot of, well, not a lot, but we've had some issues with the school nurse. So I think if I can get a handle on things and have like a a couple, be a couple steps ahead of her with this, and then I can kind of relay it how I want to relay it. It'll be a lot better than us all trying to figure it out together at the same time. Looking to her for answers. You want to have answers when they come up. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. You know, it's the same reason when I tell people, um, hey, if you're going to try this, you know, make an adjustment or do something, I always like try it on the weekend because mm-hmm. you've got these two days here. You know, whenever I, you know, whenever someone talks to me about, you know, I sound like be a little bolder with the insulin or something like that, I'm like, always the weekend's great because you can repeat meals. 
mm-hmm. right? So it sounds might sound silly, but if you make the same thing for lunch three days in a row, then you take away a lot, a lot of the variables. You can have it at right. the same time of day, the same food. You can say, hey, today I used eight units and I pre-bolus 15 minutes and he went to 200. So mm-hmm. the next day I used eight units and pre-bolus 20 minutes and he went to 150. So the next day I pre-bolus by 20 minutes and used nine units and he never went up. And just like right. that, in three in three meals, you figured out that meal. Yeah. Well, and we've done that. Like if the, if the doctor makes changes to his carb ratios, then um, I'll do it over the weekend because uh, it just works better that way. And then, uh, you know, it, if she sometimes will have something to say about it, and I'm like, well, this is what we did, and it works. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> try not to try not to give me too much of it. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, I have to just jump off track for a second. You said you borrowed a headset from somebody. You sound fantastic. What headset is it? Oh my gosh, I'd have to take it off and look, but I think it's um. So my kids are big into Xbox. It's like one of those Turtle Beach headsets for the Xbox. Everyone listening, that that works great. She sounds fantastic. I think I got it on Black Friday for for them. Nice, good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it just you were you were like, I should I use this or a gaming headset? I was like, oh, try the gaming headset, and you sound yeah. you sound fantastic. So oh great. Uh, um, well, listen. I feel like we've gone. Do you feel like this has been valuable in any way? <laughs> it has to me for sure. I think it's just more, like you said, trial and error. And I just need to be more confident about what I'm doing. And, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense to to stop, you know, to stop it before it gets too high. So clearly when I'm seeing that we're two arrows up and we're you know headed towards two and 300, that I really need to do something then and not just wait and see where it goes. Because I guess for me, I'm kind of like, oh, well, he still has so much insulin. So maybe it'll stop it. But that just clearly doesn't happen. Yeah, two arrows up is a trash fire to me. I just start yeah. throwing insulin at her. Like I, yeah. I, I take the actual vial and I lob it across the room at her. And, mm-hmm. and so I'm here drink this. I don't know if that'll work or not. By the way, I'm kidding. You can't drink insulin. But um, but you know, I just I pour it onto her at that point. Like if I if we get to two arrows up, I'm like, wow, I really booted the pooch here. You, you, you yeah. Know, like, so um, and that does happen. You know, you're just like, wow, how did okay that didn't go yeah. well. But right. the more you're aggressive or bold, I guess, and, and when you can kind of shake the fear away about the insulin, that doesn't happen as much because you're more aggressive up front. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because the other side of this is you have a Dexcom and there are going to be plenty of people who are like, look, buddy, I got this pen over here and a meter. I'm, you know, I don't have a Dexcom anything. I don't have an insulin pump. Nothing you just said is valuable to me. Yeah. Except that I think it is because... Maybe not specifically step by step, but I do think the the theories, the bigger kind of tone of what I'm saying is still there. You know, if you're testing, you know, listen, when you're a newly diagnosed person, you're testing a bunch. You know, you hear people already like, I texted 10 times today. You can still figure out a little bit. That's how I started. That's I was a CGM before I knew what a CGM was. I was the guy who would go in and the, the, the doctor would be like, so she ate at nine and you tested at nine thirty. Why did you do that? And I was like, <laughs> to see what was happening. And the doctor would be like, well, she's obviously going to be higher. And I'm like, oh, that seems obvious to you maybe, but I don't want that to happen. I feel like that doesn't have to happen. And I repeat this story over and over again, but I'll do it here. I'll do it again. I was really motivated when our nurse practitioner once told me a story about um, an adult she knew who got a Dexcom way back when they first came out. The, this gentleman's only goal in the whole world was to eat a grab bag full of M&Ms without his blood sugar going up. And it took him 
a lot of M&Ms, but he, one day he figured it out. If I give myself this much insulin and I start eating the M&Ms at this point, my blood sugar does not go up and I don't get low afterwards. And I just, I heard that and I thought if it's possible for M&Ms, it's possible for everything. Mm-hmm. And it really just, it lit a fire in me. I was like, I can figure this out, you know? And um, most of the time we do, but, you know, to just to be clear to you, like I don't count carbs really. Mm-hmm. So I look at food and I go, I think this food's going to take this much insulin. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always, I just always err on the side of extra insulin. And yeah. you're very rarely low afterwards. We are. And if we are, then we just bumper with, you know, something that's fast acting. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you stop and really think about the problems you have with blood sugars, are you mainly more high or mainly more low? Um. Well, lower than we have been, but probably not what you consider low. Um, I think low is under 70. No, no, never there. Well, I mean, clearly we get there sometimes, but he doesn't hang out there. He hangs out, you know, more in in the hundreds. But, you know, if I looked at the Dexcom for the last, you know, 24 hours, other than what we had happen the other night, I mean, we're not seeing spikes over, you know, 250, which to me is way better than what it used to be. It's been an improvement. And, and, and. The Dexcom helped you with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you need to, so you just need to just ratchet it up a little bit. Like you, you want to get to a point where you're like, you know, we haven't had spikes over 200 in a while. And then, and then just go with the, you know, the thing that I've been saying for a million years. If you can stay stable at 180 and I tell you, hey, try a little harder. And then you try a little harder and you're stable at 150. Well, if you can stay stable at 180, you can stay stable at 90. It's all the Mm -hmm. same game. It's just about the amount of insulin. It's, it's your fear. It's, mm-hmm. it's getting rid of your fear. I do want to say this to you. If I hope this is helpful, um, where do you have the um, the threshold set at on the Dexcom? Well, it's changed since we've you know I've gotten more comfortable. He it used to be like you know I don't know as high as it could go and and probably not as low as it should be. But right now I think it's at eighty for a low, and the high is like two. 70 or so something and I, that's and that's have we gotten you know out of those highs like i we love your low okay and i would say that what you do he comes home from school on friday you've got this whole weekend because we are talking on a friday move mm-hmm. move his his high to 150 mm-hmm. and if you get to it do something about it yeah that's all i'm gonna say and then and then whatever you did about it as far as insulin goes think about that as should have been part of the initial insulin for the food. Right. And then I bet you if you do that a couple of days in a row, you won't get to 150. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And plus it's about reaction time. Like if you're going to do something about it, I would much rather see you do something about it at 150 than at, two se- at 270. It's, you're kind of lost already. Mm-hmm. Plus you're living, you know, imagine that hour and a half while the blood sugar's drifting from 90 to 270 where you're just like, everything's great. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then all of a sudden beep, beep. And you're like, Oh, everything's not great. And then you look right. back and you, and you look back and you go, Oh, and you see, but you see <laughs> that ski slope up. And when you look at that, when I look at that, what I think is at any point during that ski slope up, if I would have just done something, we wouldn't have gotten where we got to. Right. You know? And that's what I think I need to remember, you know, is, is to, to, to get it before it gets to that point, which is what I currently don't do that. It's kind of like, we're at the point and now what do I do? So that's definitely something I'll try. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Well, listen, 
If I'm nothing, I'm sensible, which is a joke. If my wife, if my wife heard that, she'd be, she'd grab the microphone and she'd be like, "Don't, don't listen to him. I don't know what you people are doing. Uh, I don't listen to him about anything, and my life's going great." But um, she'd mostly be joking, but part of her would be very serious. But no, I think it's just you know we started off by saying it, and we can finish up by saying it. If your blood sugar's high, you didn't use enough insulin, or you mistimed it, or a combination of the two things, and. If your blood sugar is low, you use too much insulin or you mistimed it or a combination of right. those two things. So yeah. as, as overly simplistic as that sounds, I think if you find yourself thinking about it that way, I think you'll, I think you'll, I think you'll be sending me a message like in a week and being like, wow, you know, he doesn't go over this anymore, you know? Yeah. Cause you're, you're right there. Believe it or not, because I know it doesn't feel like this to you. You're way farther along than you believe you are. Like I can hear it in what you're saying. You just don't know it yet. And so, and you know, so maybe that'll give you some confidence too. You're, you're doing better than you think you are by, by a, by a stretch actually. So good for you. And it's all, it's a lot of hard work. So you're to be, you're to be commended. That's for certain. Thanks. Well, thank you for doing this. By the way, everyone, Christina on her lunch hour. Thank you very much. Yeah. Five minutes. (laughs) And go ahead and go eat your dinner and go back to work right now. You have four (laughs) minutes. I'm going to let you go early so you can eat something. I thank you. Just really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Your podcast has been so helpful. I mean, you're you're you have your wealth of information, and I really truly have learned so much from you. And I mean, a lot of it's in the car while I'm you know toting kids around here and there, and they're kind of like, "You're listening to this again," but I'm like, "Listen, it's very helpful for mommy." Well, let me let me give those kids a message right now. Shut up, okay? Be nice. I, I gotta get my downloads. What are you doing trying to talk people out of watching the listen to the podcast? You kids, st- you're just gonna put on hits one on Sirius and listen to the same three songs over and over again anyway. I don't want to hear exactly. this. Exactly. Right. You kids, be quiet. Sit back. Put your seatbelt on. Don't talk. Your mom's driving. There you go. I'll help you right out, Christina. (laughs) Thank you. You're very welcome. Have a good day. Thanks. You too. Huge thanks to Christina for coming on the show and sharing her struggles so we can all find a pathway past them. Thanks again to Dexcom and Omnipod for their continued support of the podcast. means a ton. Helps us keep the podcast going. Your support of them is a support of this, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want to check out myomnipod.com, forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. That'd be fantastic. Also, I'm just very excited about all the great episodes we have coming. Summer's coming to an end. It's it's getting to be towards the end of August now. And I have so many great episodes lined up for you. And I've begun recording more. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff in the fall, including if everything goes well, bold with insulin t-shirts that I'm hoping to have for you in the next couple of months. We're going to have more episodes with leaders from big companies. We're going to have uh, the CEO of Omnipod on soon. Going to be back with Dexcom again, talking to regular people about the ups and downs, you know, more about MDI. It's just a lot coming that is amazing. A lot of kids coming up, 16-year-olds who are managing themselves uh, since they were 13, a 15-year-old who has an A1C better than Arden's, and he says, it's from the podcast. Anyway, uh... Listen, in the end, if the podcast is helping you, please tell a friend. Show them how to listen. Help them share. Go on your Facebook page and say, hey, guys, juiceboxpodcast.com. I love this podcast about type 1 diabetes. If you can do that, you'll definitely help the podcast grow. And in the end, I think that's all I want is for more people to hear what it is that's helping you. I'll be back next week. Talk to you soon.